Welcome back to the Fowler Effect. I'm your host, Michael Fowler, and today's topic, uh, we're going to dive a little deeper um, as far as answering some of the questions that were asked uh, when I, you know, I had first released, or before I released the podcast, and I want to dive a little deeper as far as uh, the rank progression and how how I did that. How did I get to black belt in uh, in under four years? Um, you know, if I if I could break it down, and uh, but not just that, but more so um, just uh, the things you can do to add into your uh, your own training to also help. You know, I would say not necessarily speed things along, but utilize the time better that you have, um, or at least make most. You know, to make the most of it, and. Uh, one of the big things I find is is note taking, and a lot of people um, do you know do take notes to an extent. Um, but and then there are also some people who I've had I've come across who like I don't learn that way. And I wasn't the best student in high school. I did good in college, but I was very motivated for uh, you know I had a passion behind it. I didn't have a passion for high school, and uh, I wasn't a note taker either. Um, but I did see and I still feel the connection between writing, you know, with your hand, not even not even just the typing on a computer, uh, the, the writing that 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 connection to pen and paper. And uh, I like it because it's, uh, you know, the computer is nice because you can always, um, you know, when you're writing your notes and taking notes, you can always go back and see what you wrote. And if you didn't like it, you can delete it and update it. And that's cool. And that's one way of doing it. Um, but I, I also appreciate the history and things. And to go back and read uh, a handwritten um, notes, uh, I feel just has so much more meaning and sentiment. And it kind of puts me in the place I was when I wrote it. Uh, and so I just I'm just a, more of a fan of it. And plus, you know, if you're doing it in pen or whatever, even if you do it in pen, it doesn't matter. But you can see the evolution of your note taking, uh, you know, written down in like concrete form. Now you can, you know, you maybe you start explaining things better. Uh, maybe like me, I like to leave room. Uh, in my notes to, you know, I like to draw. That's one of my passions is art. And I like to leave room to draw, uh, you know, a little picture of the technique, or maybe it's, it's something that's hard to say in words, or at least to, to come, you know, I try to write my notes in a way that uh, anyone could, that has a basic jujitsu knowledge could come along and look at him like, Oh, I get that, you know. Um, And, uh, but whatever the the thing may be but um you can see the the progression of your notes and where they get to and you know maybe moves that you had done one way before and and now you feel a totally different way about it uh but at least you have like a documented evolution of it and so um getting back to you know the everything in a in a whole as far as the progression not note taking be, being one of uh uh you know being huge in that is um you know, I always try to tell this in my seminars as well. <clears throat> Excuse me. Where um, if you do a particular style, like butterfly guard or Delaheva or close guard, like if you do close guard and you can't even keep your legs closed, like you can't even like you know hold someone in your close guard for longer than a few seconds, then what are you ever gonna do to anybody in close guard? You're gonna to have to build up your ability to hold your legs, and so that's you know that's just 
you know working out those little muscles and 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 you know and practice and you know maybe doing uh you know uh what do you call them like uh, standing guard sit-ups where some, you know, you can, you can really just, you know, do the crunches while your legs are locked around your partner and they're standing and, you know, something to test your own body weight and then work your way up and do all kind of, you know, whatever exercises go, but you have to build up whatever it is. If you have, if you like De La Hiva or you like Lasso or you like, uh, any of the, any things that require like, you know, really strong grips, if you don't ever work out your grips, then you're never going to have like a really complete game. Like you're never, like you know you're always playing with like weak tools in essence like when you if you spent the extra time um not just doing exercises like a lot of people already supplement jujitsu with uh you know weight training and and cardio and things like that but it's also important to make sure that these these if it's for jujitsu then make sure the exercises and whatever the the programs being done are also catered towards jujitsu um, like there's nothing wrong with a bench press. Uh, it's, you know, I, I bench press. It's been part of my workouts. However, no one is really sitting flat on their back ever. Like you're always kind of on a little angle tilted, especially if you're in side mount, you should never be flat. You know, you're always kind of on your hip or on the side and the bar doesn't, wiggle and move and it's two different grips like i'm that's you know you got your your hands around it where it might be a forearm and a palm that's holding underneath a partner so i like to do you know bench presses with body weight where my partner's leaning on me and i'm kind of at that angle and i just and i you know i'll do whatever the, the the number is or you know to burn out and make sure i do both sides um or you know lay back on your back and have your partner you know bounce them on your feet and do leg presses that way be you know because their their weight shifting and uh especially when um you know you have different uh People with different, you know, the way they carry their weight differently, you know, it's a lot of balance. It's a lot of other things going on. So not only am I doing these squat presses and using those major muscles, I'm also having to stabilize and use all kind of other muscles just to control the person, uh, you know, just because, like, you know, it's not, <coughs> excuse me, it's not guaranteed as far as, like a, like I said, like the, the weights where they're, they're a bar. And if you want to improve your grips... Maybe use a uh, towel or like a, a washcloth or you know, I think there's even products out there like power sleeves where you can attach a gi sleeve <clears throat> to the the weight that you're trying to lift. And that way you get the the recreation of uh, the the resistance on the gi pulling against your fingers. And so all of these things really um, pertain to, you know, as far as how fast, you know, you're you're going to progress. So let's just, we'll tackle one by one, and uh, as we get to, you know, that even though they all kind of go together, you know, and they all, you know, in essence complement each other, um, there is a lot, of, I feel, like different angles that most people, you know, not, not that they don't realize, but maybe it's not, you know, it's not common sense until someone points it out. And so if, uh, you know, one of the things that I was doing was... Um, maintaining my diet you know i was uh, i had to also live in a certain way during this you know during these times of all these competitions when i come up and getting my black belt so fast you know i was on a, a constant uh and even still like i was always competing so it wasn't there wasn't moments where you are 
uh, just, you know, all right, next month I've got to start trying to drop weight and losing this. For the most part, you maintained a healthy lifestyle all year round and you fought at a weight class that was within reason. Like it did, it wasn't anything like that, you know, and, and I was always, I always felt better. Like when I was a blue belt, I started, my first Pan Ams was at Feather. And then I went, by the following year, I was, Feather was just no fun to make. So I went to Lightweight. And as soon as I went to Lightweight, I won. I took the Pan Ams and then I, you know, I was just on a tear for the longest time. And I think I stayed in Lightweight all the way until Brown. And then at Brown Belt, I decided I'm going to go up to Middleweight where I'm more comfortable now, um, you know, uh, you know, less less weight cutting. I, you know, and, and and at this time I'm growing at the same time as far, you know. So it just made sense to you know go to middleweight. And as soon as I went to middleweight, again I did fantastic. I took third in the World Cup. And so every time I've kind of gone to where I felt the best, I did the best, and that makes the most sense. Now you are dealing with a lot of guys who are doing ex- like some extreme weight cuts. And that's always going to be there. You're always going to have someone that's extremely lopsided. But I feel, for me, it didn't really matter as much because I enjoyed the absolute division as well. Like I, I, I like the idea of the of the different size, and you can still win. Like that didn't really bother me. So having guys, you know, that would do bigger weight cuts and even still being smaller in like a middleweight class when I could cut weight and go lower, I wasn't happy there, and I wasn't about to compete there. So uh, I had a, I, you know, it's important to, to, you know, listen to your body and go with, you know, like I said, if, even if you're a hobbyist in jujitsu, if you spend, you know, 10 months out of the year living a certain way, training a certain way every day, and then two months come time for the, you know, the masters or whatever competition you're getting ready, and now you want to clean up your diet to be at a weight on a day, first of all, to be at a weight that you've, you haven't been and who knows how long, just for the first time, and then you want your body to compete at its best at this random, you know, this this brand new area that it has never, you know, it hasn't, not saying never, but it hasn't been in in a long time, and so I think it's just kind of silly that you would, you know, ex- not that you can't have good results and stuff, and it's still, in, in, in to a certain degree, some of that is okay, I still believe, but you it it doesn't make sense that you know i feel to you know as far as longevity and and having uh a you know to feel the best i guess about the you know all the movements because when your body feels good and you're able to do the things you think of whether you win or lose doesn't matter just the fact that you did things that your body you know you listened and you know you did your best those always that always made a huge difference as far as me feeling good like if i had like when I would cut, it would all, I, you know, not that I would find excuses, but it was, it's like, you know, you know, the, I did, I wasn't doing it. Pro- you know, there was always a reason in essence, like I could, you know, I could always try to trace, you know, and try to, you know, pinpoint up, you know, where it was, but it was more just trying to, you know, I guess pass the blame for, uh, you know, just, you know, not feeling good. Of course you shouldn't. But I also ended up finding out I had some other factors and, um, I have a blood disorder that, uh, you know, the happier I am, less stress, and the better I, you know, physically, it doesn't bother me as much. So it's really important for me that I compete and I train at a weight that's, you know, uh, you know, that I feel happy at. You know, it's like it's a, it's more of a lifestyle. 
So along with dieting and doing all and, and you know and having a proper diet during this time of, of you know trying to uh, you know and whether and regardless of even trying to get your belt or get a belt and, and it's a jujitsu is lifelong. You're not not gonna do it. You know, no one. Uh, there are people, of course, who get belts and quit, but we're not talking about them. But the people who do jujitsu are gonna do it for a lifetime, and it kind of feels funny. Like you know, I wear my black belt, but it's like I got my black belt so long ago that it's like it's it's not just a belt, but it is. It's just a belt I tie my pants with or my gi with. I'm gonna roll the same with or without it, whatever belt I put on. And I don't care if I don't have my belt. It doesn't bother me as long as I get even if, if if I just can borrow a belt and just show up and train somewhere, or you know, like I guess say I'm traveling, I don't have my gear with me. It doesn't bother me about you know that doesn't affect my training in one little bit. So you know, I'm always thinking you know, jujitsu is a lifelong thing. So not just bettering your diet in a, in the, in the trying to attain a black belt. You don't want to be in shape and then be not in shape. You know, it should it should be a plan or a, a, something that you carry on with you um, past black belt. You know, to continue. That you know, don't stop doing the things you did that got you there. You know, those it it that's 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 true in a lot of other situations. You know, you can't can't get lazy. You can't get comfortable and stop doing the things that got you there. You know, if you're a hard worker and you worked really hard to become employee of the month, and all of a sudden, all right, you got there and you started slacking off. Well, now you're not going to be employee of the month no more. You know, it's you're you know if you're not doing the same things you did, you know, you're not going to be you know you're going to get passed on. So. Um, the dieting, making sure, you know, that it's, and, and I, and don't make sure you're not thinking of the word diet is in like a temporary thing. I say diet in the sense of how you eat just, is it a good diet? Is it a bad diet? I think I have a, I have a diet. I like to think of, I have a generally healthy diet, but I love my bad foods. So I spike you know, like a, like a, like a, it'll be like a heartbeat. It'll be, you know, good food, good food, good food, good food, spike bad food, but good food, good food, spike bad food. And it just kind of, and I'd rather have that than have that steady bad food and then only spike into the good. So like, uh, because I, I, you know, before jujitsu, I've said it before, I, I was, I was really into culinary arts and, and so I love my cooking. So I've got to, I've got to eat the stuff I'm, I, you know, there's too much good stuff. So I, I make sure that I do enough jujitsu to balance that out and keep myself healthy. So um, now making the best of the time you're training. I, um, it was explained to me one time, uh, you know, a normal work week is 40 hours. And that's just what you got to do. Like you got to show up your 40 hours just to get your paycheck. You know, if you don't start, if you don't show up your 40 hours, you know, you might get fired. Like you've got to show up your 40 hours. That's just to be an employee. And if you work more than 40 hours, you get overtime. Now, there's only so many hours in a week, and generally, you know, that that the you know, we'll say that that overtime is is it's not all the time because as soon as a new week starts you're back to you're you're back to square one and you're back you know trying to build up to your 40 hours again and then hopefully if you get some overtime well now you get that time and a half and that's always really you know that's that's where the that's where the real come up is in getting those overtime moments because you can make you know time and a half and so if you show up to jujitsu class and you can only make it two or three days a week that's your 40 hours. That's your 40-hour work week is those two to three days a week in jiu-jitsu. 
you've got to be there for those just to even you know be in jujitsu as far as you know as far as being consistent like those are huge you just have to stay in those and then anything you do extra that you're you know within your scheduling and whatnot so meaning you know you already have your um you know your life you got your work you go to the gym when you're all you know x amount of time maybe it's two times three you know depending on whatever kid schedule whatever it is in your lifestyle maybe you have a wide open schedule and you're able to do five to six days a week well that's your 40 hours so you do your overtime and your is your overtime is it you know your note taking is it mental uh visualization drills is it um, going and doing, you know, these extra workouts, or is it, um, you know, like I said, maintaining your diet and watching those type things is all these extra things that you put in, um, you know, extra drilling times, private lessons, seminars, all those things, those are really what boost you ahead. The, that, that's where your real, your real, you know, your profit time, it comes in for as far as learning, and uh, I attain a huge part of that again back to note taking, and I I always ask in um, some classes if anyone there has attended college and you know who paid for it. And generally, you know, you'll find someone and you know, did you go to college? Yes. And did you pay for it? Yes. Now, how many years did you go? And depending on the type of student they are, you know, it's usually a four year, you know, uh, two year, whatever. You're not using that too many two years, at least when people raise their hands. Most people are bachelors or above. They're trying to show off. So they have their, 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 their doctors, their masters. They, and they, yeah, yes, they went to college and yes, they paid for it. And it, they, uh, they worked very hard and they're very proud of it. And I asked them, could you have done that same thing, that same feat without taking notes or bringing your books to class? And they're like, no. And it's like, well, of course. Now, there are people who do stay in college and they pass like, you know, a four-year course in seven. And that's the same as jiu-jitsu. Like you come into jiu-jitsu and what should have taken you five to six to seven years takes you 10, 11, 12 because you come in every day without any means of, you know, of, of, of holding on to the information coming in. You, you know, so like I said, some people like that, like to argue that they're not good at taking notes, but I think that doesn't matter. I don't care if you write it down one time and don't ever look at it again. The fact that you wrote it down and just made that mental note of it, it just has an effect. And, you know, these people, you know, this, so you, you got to treat, you know, jiu-jitsu is a class you pay for for the most part. And, you know, most people are paying for the jiu-jitsu lessons. So why would you pay me every month? You know, of course you're paying for the mat and the exercise and the, 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 the whole experience. But as far as, like, retaining knowledge and your, your like, do you want to become a black belt? If that's not the case, then whatever. Don't it doesn't matter. Like what it, you, I guess it depends on your reasons for training and whatever doing jujitsu. But I would hope everyone is trying to, you know, when they're doing a martial art, the goal is to get that black belt in that art, and you know, and just now that's where that real learning begins. And so, um, especially uh, with the added the added ability of of having the the cell phone and the, the, the level of technology we're at today with YouTube and everything. Like when I was coming up, you know, it started with VHS and then we, you know, we got the DVD and then YouTube came along after that. And by that time, I wasn't in the habit of watching it. So I'm still not in the habit of watching uh, YouTube. It's not, um, not that I haven't gone on there, but I find that it usually um, is way more intimidating. Like when I've tried to like look at 
people that I've I've gone against or I'm or, you know I'm gonna go against or whatever in competition. Their YouTube is so scary. Like I remember like you know watching you know one guys and he's doing like flying leg locks and all these crazy techniques and it's like holy crap like that is that's who I gotta fight. And then once you you know go against them like oh you're oh you're a regular person too. You know the the I feel like the that it's all for me it always you know it it just doesn't it doesn't it is good i guess to see some stuff but in my mind too the other thing is like if you can watch me on youtube and then nullify my technique off of youtube then how good was i at my technique to begin with like in my mind i don't care how many people know my unstoppable sweep you ain't stopping it very few have stopped it you know, and maybe of holding me, you know, maybe in holding it off, but like it, that's why it has such a, it's a, a, you know, I know it, I know it really well. And so if, if you can dissect it off of YouTube, not that you can't give me a hard time or by any means, but it's like, you know, either you're just super phenomenal or I just wasn't that, you know, I just, like I said, I wasn't that good at to begin with. So I, I, I've never been a real big, I'm still not really that big into the, into the YouTube, but I, not that I don't, um, I still, you know, still utilize it every once in a while, but getting back to the 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 topic at hand, the and we're going to talk more in depth about the 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 note taking aspect of it. But we talked about the dieting and the um, you know as, as far as comparing it to college and you know if, if you know if you're paying for these classes, you know bring your notebook. Uh, I have. Uh, or I used to have like a, like a, a like a trash notebook, one that I could kind of sweat in. I didn't really care if it got messed up because I was going to transfer into a nicer notebook later on uh, when I got home. This was just this was just one to jot down like key points, things that I had I could because I allow people to take notes in my class, but I also tell them like don't start you know don't don't hinder your partner because you're trying to write out all these notes. Jot down your few little points and get right to drilling. Do the note-taking on your own time afterwards. Not that they can't do it in class, but it's got to be... Like, I used to keep a shorthand. Um, like, I would write RH for right hand or LF for left foot or RL for right lapel. I would, you know, I'd shorthand it so I could, R, uh, you know, RH to RL. Like, just real quick, just so I get right to it. Um, I don't remember exactly what all the, uh, the little shorthands of it were, but they... Um, it, it it just all had uh you know a a little key, i guess little abbreviation form or just shortcuts just to help me i could go back later and pay attention to now before i go into the the note taking i want to talk about the exercises a little bit more too um even though i only talked about like the bench pressing style like i'm a huge fan of the butterfly guard and uh i'm or I would say hook guard. And if people ever roll with me, I guess, they, you know, if you were to ask, like, how do you get your feet to be able to hold on like that? I do a lot of exercises, like, similar. So I'll, like, I'll put a, a, a resistance band, like, in a, you know, a, like one of the long ones tied in a knot, like in a circle, and I'll put my feet between it. And I'll do butterfly sweeps back and forth, pushing off the ground and pushing one foot all the way to the ceiling, like in a lifting motion, like a butterfly sweep. But I've got resistance. Or I'll sit on the the weight machine where it's got like the the the, the rowing pulley, and I'll sit sideways and I'll attach that 
that the to ankle brace or like the ankle uh, or like the little velcro strap and i just put it around my ankle and then i'll put you know generally it's pretty lightweight because it's it, it is a lot for your leg and i'll do butterfly reps you know with the 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 weights attached to my ankle or I'll hold a kettlebell at the same time so I can mimic pushing, you know, just put pushing with some weight there. So a lot of these exercises, I'll make up stuff that is just geared towards, you know, purely mimicking the jujitsu movements or my strongest positions. Um, one of the ones I like too is like using the weight belt when it has the, the metal ring, you can uh, turn it around so it's on, you know, on your belly. And I hook that one to the set, that same pulley and I'll lay on my side and shrimp. And then that pulley, if with enough weight on it, will start pulling your hips back in just like, you know, like a wrestler or someone trying to take you down. So I have to shrimp again and, you know, you just keep getting those weighted pulls or weighted reps of the same things you already kind of do, but uh, just stuff you can do by yourself or in the weight room. Um to continue, you know, that, like that overtime for jujitsu. Now on, um, on the note taking the, um, ideas and concepts, it's going to kind of break down how I, I, how I keep my notebook and then maybe that'll help with as far as organizational, uh, ideas for your own, because doesn't that, when I say notebook, I just really mean a way of logging it could be note cards. It could be, you know, I, uh, there's, a, there's countless ways you can start, you know, keeping, uh, uh, you know, like a document of, of your jujitsu classes. Um, you know, whether it be like, you know, you get like a regular black and white journal or, um, you know, whatever, anything that can really best help you. And so in the beginning of my notebook, if I were to break it down, to even begin jiu-jitsu, first of all, understanding that it's not on the feet. Jiu-jitsu isn't on the feet. When we are on our feet, we're in the realm of wrestling, judo, you know, boxing if you're an MMA guy, kickboxing, all that. That's all on the feet. Jiu-jitsu doesn't have takedowns, or I don't know of any jiu-jitsu takedowns. Everything that even the guard pull like Tomonagi where you throw them over backwards, that's a judo throw. So generally in jiu-jitsu for the most part... Uh, I won't say there's no jiu-jitsu takedowns, but I don't have any. I've got all judo and wrestling takedowns. And that part of your notebook is, you know, its own section. So you have takedowns. That's, you know, as far as, you know, that's that's one section on its own. And then you can break that down, but we're going to get into that later. But I want to get into jiu-jitsu. So jiu-jitsu begins when we hit the ground. And when we hit the ground, one of us is on top. One of us is on bottom. We're either parallel to each other or we're perpendicular to each other. And we're in one of what, uh, what the system I was brought up in was eight positions. So you're either on top or bottom, parallel, perpendicular, in one of eight positions. And if we end up in the side mount, one's on top, one's on bottom, that's a perpendicular position. Uh, if we end up in closed guard, I consider closed guard parallel, even though like one of us is up and one of our, our heads are facing perpendicular, we're facing each other lined up. So like if, even if we were to be in, let's say, break it even further into a half guard, like where you're head and arm gripping, I still consider that parallel because you're, you know, you can roll with each other. Um, but mount also parallel, back mount parallel, um, 
neon belly, perpendicular, and then most of the moves as well and techniques we do in jiu-jitsu are all parallels and perpendiculars. An arm bar, for the most part, is done perpendicular. Uh, triangle, I, some people finish parallel. I finish a little bit, I try to finish it more perpendicular. I believe, you know, you're taught to hook the leg and bring it more perpendicular, but we all kind of still leave it parallel. Um, the cross choke is a parallel technique. Um, you know, if I had neon belly and I was perpendicular, I'd throw an arm bar and land perpendicular. If I was mounted parallel and I throw an arm bar, I would land perpendicular. So everything's going in these, um, you know, breaking angles, parallels and perpendiculars. And so I said my, my jiu-jitsu is broken down into eight positions. So those eight are guard. And when I say guard, guard is all-encompassing. Every guard. Guard is guard is guard is guard. Half guard, Z guard, butterfly guard, hook guard, delahiva guard, lapel guard, worm guard. Any guard you can imagine guard. Guard is guard. That's a big, that's a big chapter, by the way, obviously. Then um, neon belly, mount, back mount, headlock, like the kasakatami position, uh, north-south, the turtle position. And I think that's all eight. And so all those positions, uh, and if you have more, man, that's fine. Wrote, break them down as more. It's your notebook. If you have less, you break it down less, that's your notebook again. However you want to organize it, it's up to you. So I have it in those eight positions. But like, let's go back to the guard notebook. If I open up my guard notebook, now that's open up in like subdivisions. It's got De La Hiva guard, because I do, even though I'm not a huge De La Hiva player, I got some De La Hiva techniques. My butterfly guard got a lot of techniques in that one. I have half guard techniques. I've got Z guard techniques. And so the guard has a lot of guard, you know, like I said, it's got a lot of different um, aspects. Now, when you break down these, these, these eight positions, not only do you have the position guard, but you have the top version of it and the bottom version of it. So if I'm on my back and someone's in my guard, that's the bottom position, obviously. And you have attacks and you have defenses. And when you're in the top and you're the person that's on top and the person has their legs locked around you and you're inside their guard, that position is also attacks and defenses. So if I was on top and I tried to open someone's guard, that would be an attack or a guard opening. If I was uh, trying to choke them from inside their guard, like pushing their lapel across their neck, that is also an attack. But if they tried to armbar me and then I move to get out and I defend, well, that, now that armbar defense, that obviously is a defense. So that's the defending side. So you have the attacking side and the defending side. And if you're on bottom, your cross chokes, your sweeps, your armbars, those are all attacks for the bottom person. But bottom person defenses would be being able to retain your guard and maintain it and uh, what to do if someone stands up and what to do if they put their hand here. And like, those are all not even necessarily techniques, but just key points you have to keep in mind. And those are all the things you, you, know, you write down and you have both sides of it. That way, nothing is left to guess. So if you have cross choke uh, from the bottom position, you need to really have cross choke defense on the top position. Like you should always have the opposite then. Understand your you know, to really get a technique, you got to understand it. You got to know how to get out of it. You got to know how to get in it or, or put people in it. And 
I will say this too when people ask, well, how do you get out of an armbar? Remember too, if someone does an armbar correctly or any technique correctly, you don't get out of it. You get out during their mistake. You make the proper move during one of their lapses or mistaken timing or mistaken movement. That's when you get an escape. And uh, that's a totally different thing to look at because uh, – give an example. Um, back in 2004, I believe, I fought Halleck Gracie in Vegas and uh, the match was 14-0. to And uh, it was actually – it said 12-2. to it, they gave two of my points to him. So I'm not giving them to him. Those are my points. So it was 14-0. But he did get two arm bars that I got out of. But they were really nice. And each time he fell all the way back, my arm was stretched out, and then that's when I was able to get out. When he should have applied, I guess, the, the braking pressure, he had nowhere else to go. His back had already hit the mat, and he didn't have the hip raising up coming up yet it was still just trying to fall back and finish with that so the mat really stopped his backward momentum and where my arm stopped that is where he stopped that his next motion would have been to lift his hips whether i don't know whether he was going to do it or not he might have but in that moment of that timing of that lapse is when i turned my arm and i escaped two times and it was after I couldn't move my arm during the, his whole transition until he fully extended it. But he just the pressure wasn't there, and those are the moments I escaped. So I can get you. You know the techniques will work at any moment. It just depends on what the person doing it are they that proficient where they give up that you know. And it might only be a split second moment they give up. Are you proficient enough to get that split second attack in? So again, back to every position has that tops and bottoms, attacks and defenses. And so your notebook, I, I feel, should be done accordingly so. Now, also, you know, things to have in your notebook. Imagine your notebook almost as like uh, an instruction guide, okay? And the equipment is your body. You bought this jujitsu packet. And you were given like this this body to use. All right, here's your here's your and and depending on what shape you're in and what size you are and how long your legs are and how long your arms are, that's what you got. You can't change that stuff. Um, you can lose weight, and we'll talk about you know that you can you'll you'll be able to see where that just uh, you know applies to itself as it goes. And of course, you can get in better shape and be able to get more flexible. And when you get more flexible, well, more techniques are available to you. And if you get more strong in this area, well, these techniques become available to you. It's almost like a little store, like a like like a video game, and you just bought the basic body. The, bur- the this is the one you got, and unfortunately, none of us got to pick it. It was just the one given to us. And I have long arms and short legs, so uh, I need to play a game that 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 caters to having long arms and short legs. Delahiva does not cater to short-legged, long-armed people. I can grab you, no problem. Gi, lapel, sleeve, arm, whatever. But my feet can't reach. Or even if I do reach, my legs are fully extended. So if you pop your hips back, there goes my De La Hiva. It's gone. And so, or my, yeah, I should say my open guard, my spider. And so I, I just don't have a lot of success with doing De La Hiva because I don't have that long leg. And, uh, you know, depending on who I'm going with, like if I'm, you know, 
bigger or way better than someone. I can bully people into stuff. But as far as like playing my A game, it doesn't work. I believe, I think I was going with Andre Galvao one time when we were when I was training at Atos, and I remember he did it twice to me. And after, after the first one, I was like, wait, do that again. And I he did the movement, and it's like you know what? It's not even. I'm like, it's not even you. It's my legs are so short. Like it, just, it finally dawned to me. Like I was trying to force this game into for, you know, it just I'm not built for it. And so uh, now that you've given this body and you're given this this template, you need to fill these eight positions, because if this body gets into an, any jujitsu moment with another body and you land let's say you meet you fall down and you land on bottom north south all right well i'm going to open up my instruction book it my my notebook to north south i open up to bottom and it's empty oh crap you got nothing there what are you going to do you're going to panic you're going to freak out that's where you're going to lose because you don't have any techniques from there or maybe you have some half-assed notes you've taken one time on a move or two moves. So you have two unsure things, but neither one are your, your, your go-to position. Or if I go to your notebook and I ask to see your neon belly escapes, well, the first one I think should be shrimp. That should be a first escape on a lot of things. But then if you don't have anything there after that, well, I know that that's all you've got. And depending on how good you are at it, I know that's a weak spot in your game. If I look at your... Uh, your guard and I noticed that you're really good at your open guard but close guard you get passed really easy well man if if we were allowed to look at each other's notebooks in that sense so it's like anyway you, you you've got this body you've got this note you've got this instruction manual that you you have to figure and fill out by going to the academy of your choice and so now when you take a class, you learn a few arm bars and all these other moves and you put them into your notebook and you start filling up all these positions. And when, you know, you start having like this, you start getting like a little bit of a, a, a complete game, it starts to give you like an understanding. And if you think about when you first started jujitsu, that give, it, you know, it took a little while to get an understanding. Like, what are you doing? What are you trying to accomplish? Why are we in these, these positions? And if you keep it in mind that, you know, it's the whole idea is a fight and, you know, it's about protecting yourself, getting away, you cater your game to what you're thinking about. If you're trying to do uh, the IBJJF rules or CBJJ or whatever competition, then you need to train according to those rules. But for me, like, if I'm training for an MMA fight, then I'm not doing anything like upside down and uh, there's no De La Hiva. No, you know, a lot of stuff gets thrown out. That's not how I'm going to train. And if that was a lifestyle part of it, like if I'm only thinking about self-defense and I'm about real world, then I'm only going to drill real world techniques. I'm not going to play with these lapel things and some other stuff that doesn't apply. Because yes, it could happen in the moment where you could just bully someone who has no idea what they're doing. But you want stuff that's, you know, you want to cater to whatever your goal is. And I have, like, I think about real life in a fight, but I also have a respect for the art. And I love to teach and love to train and roll and spar and all those things. So I train according to that but i always keep in mind and i don't do like take it for instance i don't do triangles anymore it used to be one of my number one moves and i can still do them but i find the most of the guys i go with are bigger than me and most of the people regardless of size one of the first things they really try to do in any triangle situation is stack you my neck and my back have taken a lot of i don't have issues but i don't want issues either 
So I'm not doing triangles anymore. I'm not doing moves where I'm getting stacked. That's out of there. I'll get on top and do this. So everywhere for me leads to top half guard. Like that's where I'm going to go on everyone. Like that's my favorite position. All roads lead to that top half guard position for me. So, you know, you got to think about you like uh, where do you, where do what is your in position in, in in your game plan? And so you take your notebook and after you fill up all these moves, well, now you can make a game plan starting from the feet. Well, we'll go to your takedown section. What are you good at doing takedowns? Are you good at doing guard pulls? Like, what is your first step? Like, are you going to do this? Now, whenever you get on the close guard, if he takes you down and you end up in close guard or you jump and put yourself in close guard, how you get there doesn't matter. What you do from there stays the same. As soon as you hit in this position, I'm going to this technique. If uh, someone puts me in half guard or I put myself in half guard, I'm still going to the same motion. So the game plan doesn't have to be super elaborate as far as it's not like tons and tons of techniques. It's just make sure you have an answer for everything. But it's the same answer whether you put yourself there or they put themselves there. Um, you know, like I said, I, you know, I use the takedown as a, as a big, you know, someone could do a takedown and put me in a side mount. My side mount escape is the first thing I'm going to do when I, as soon as we start to get in a position I can move. Whether I'm in side mount because he took me down or whether he's in side mount because he passed my guard, I'm still doing the same side mount escape move. And so uh, you want to make sure, again, that you have a complete game so there is no necessarily weak points or uh, you don't want to ever end up in a position and you're unsure and you have to guess. Like one of my favorite moments of, of having my game plan together was uh, in New York at the Ultimate Absolute in 2012. I fought Riley Bodycomb first round. And uh, I remember he was the one I was actually speaking about when I was talking about just a scary-ass YouTube. Uh, Riley is a, a really impressive Sambo practitioner, and I know he loves footlocks because I saw his YouTube, and I saw all his crazy flying leg lock things, and he looks so scary. And uh, before the match, I had an interview with um, uh, Open Mat Radio. It was um, Paul Moran and uh, Rafael Pena. And we were uh, talking about game plans, and I showed them my game plan written out verbatim. Like, oh, if I get the side mount, I put my foot back in because I like half guard. I don't like side mount. I, even if I get it, I get it for the points, and I put my foot right back in. And they watched that happen in the match where I put my foot back in. And then I was like, well, I push on the leg. It's really to make him think I want to pass, but it's so he'll reach his arm around and I'll grab him. And I'll grab his arm and I'll catch him in an arm lock. And as soon as I pushed, Riley reached around caught the arm and it went to a T exactly verbatim how I wrote it down. And so those guys were stoked and it felt good to have someone else see like, you know, this stuff works. You know, if you write that, you know, you can, it's, it's not, it's not anything, you know, uh, that out of anyone's, you know, ability or limitations to just, you know, have these game plans. And, uh, you know, when you write down your game plan, cause these are part of your notebooks, you have your competition game plan or your a game. That's the stuff you're going to do when you're, uh, you know, whether it be the real moment, whether it be competition, um, whether maybe it's a friendly role in the gym that you're like, all right, I'm going to give this guy my A game. Like these are only moves that are tried and true. Then you have your practice game plan. That's the things you're working on. That's the things you, you're still trying to get to that A game plan. And sometimes we do throw those practice things into the game plan just to see if they're ready yet. And you can figure it out. And if they're not, you put them back in. You don't do them again until they are. And you have those. Then I also have what I call a teaching or a share pile. Now, the practice game plan, everything starts in the practice game plan. And the practice game plan and everything, in essence, is in a conglomerate of the teaching the teaching section or the teaching uh, teaching moves because I show everything. 
So everything's in a big conglomerate of that. But the practice move is where everything starts. And it either gets fed to the game plan, the A, the A, the A game plan, where that's a, hey, this is a move, this, you're going to get this, or it goes to the share pile. And that's really it. And if I, and the share pile is purely just to share the art. Maybe you'll like this move. I don't know anything past this, but here, this is where it starts. It's kind of cool. You have to figure out on your own, you know, evolve that thing. And so I have techniques that, you know, it's not, like if someone asks like, oh, show me the unstoppable. Well, you want to see the unstoppable. I got to begin back here because this is the, you know, the evolution of, 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 a, of a particular technique. And, um, you know, and so the trying to have all these, these game, you know, these different sections. Whatnot, it's a lot to, to go through, but, you know, you have all the time. It's a lifelong thing, this jujitsu, you know, to have. You know, like I don't do De La Hiva, but I keep a few moves in my bag to, to share with students. And then, you know, if I need to share something, but and I have enough that I can protect against it, but I'm not so much attacking in it. It's more I move them to an, the guard I do like. You know, it's more like a, it's like a, a funnel rather than a, a major attack one for me, but I still use it. Like, I don't play 50-50. I think that's one of the most garbage guards out there. I hate it. Um, that's just a personal fact. I don't, it, it, for people who are good at it, whatever. I just don't like it. And I don't really get stuck into that often. I think once in competition, and that's it. And every other time I've ever been in it, it's, it's never been fully to that effect of just being stuck in it. And that's because I don't play into those kind of guards. Like, that's not my style to even begin like that. So I don't get caught in it so often. But I still, it would be foolish to not respect it like to not have any 50 50 defenses would be just that's dumb somebody's gonna put you in it and if or and if you don't understand it then they are gonna put you in it you have to understand it enough to even avoid it that's the real thing like getting out of it's one thing but even just avoiding it altogether is a whole nother so you know it still has all these things have places in your notebook even if you don't play that position you know you still have to respect it like i don't do uh ezekiel chokes that often Hurts my fingers. But you best believe it's in my notebook on how to get out of one of those because that's a popular move. And so you got to have that same kind of, uh, you know, and there's no limitation on how fast you have to have a note. You know, it's, you know, as these things come along, when they pop in your head, jot them down. When someone says something, it's like, oh, that was good. Jot it down. Whether it be in your phone, whether it be on a, you know, whether you carry an actual notebook, just, you know, get it down there and then review it you know, as often and, you know, mental visualization, get those mental drills going. And that just really, uh, that's a huge part of, I would say, progressing is just being able to, to, to document your whole game. And one way I like to explain it is like, I'm a huge fan of like anime and, uh, and things. And I like Naruto. I like, uh, I like, um, what's another one? Well, Naruto is probably the best to describe because if you don't know that anime, Naruto is, uh, he's in a, like a ninja village, and uh, when you get old enough, you get to go to the school to become a ninja. And as you learn your techniques, your your jitsus, um, you know, you all had this basic foundation, but your like special techniques, like you know, like let's say your butterfly sweep or your um, you know your worm guard, or whatever, these were these special like jitsu techniques. Then they had a scroll that they would just kind of fly out. And do their little thing, and poof, and that technique would go do its thing. And uh, another way to look at it, as I, I'm also a huge comic book fan, is Batman. You have your bat belt. So in both these situations, you have this utility bag or belt, and 
in the right moment when Batman needs his whatever like grappling hook, he reaches for it on his belt and boom, he's got it in there. Just like so your jujitsu belt has eight compartments and it's got its guard and you know, turtle and take down all these compartments on it for all these techniques. Now, if someone does, uh, uh, um, let's say, a takedown and lands on the mount, and you don't have, let's say you have one mount escape and it's not very good, and you pull that thing out and it fails, man, you don't have any more, any, not, there's nothing left on your belt. Like, what are you gonna do? Your, your bag is empty for those techniques. So you really wanna, now, you know, when you go to your, your, your game planning stage, you can open your notebook and see, man, I only have one junk. It's like my practice move is my, and my A game thing because it's my only move. And maybe I need to work on that position and you build it up and get it stronger. And the idea is like, for me, I think, like, mount's not fun, but I feel I'm so good at getting out of mount I welcome someone to try to mount me. I, I enjoy it. Like, try to mount me. My mount escape's so good, you're never gonna get by me. Never, ever, ever, ever. Like, I, that's, how, that's how good I feel about it. So it's not scary for me. And like, side mount. Now that I have like some certain techniques and things I do on this from side mount, it's no longer a scary position. It's no longer like, oh, side mount. It's like, all right, now they're in side mount, I'm about to work my magic. Here we go. And it's fun, like starting to feel people get nervous or hesitant about being in, and while they're in dominant positions because they're no longer sure about them. It's that, you know, if you can develop an understanding about a position, I mean, it really just changes a confidence and all that is a huge just swing in everything. And I feel like a lot of times when you lack that confidence, that's when, whether you know the move or not, you know, that's when people just, you know, they take advantage and they're able to do whatever they want to do. Um, you know, it's, it, it's, but like I said, just being as well prepared as you can and, you know, not leaving anything to guess. So that way when the time comes, whether it be out, like, again, back to the thing of like competition, like I don't train for competition anymore. I train for life and I want a long lasting career. And I, like I said, I always keep real life things in my mind. Like I always kind of keep my hands to protect my face. I don't want to get hit. I don't want to get bit. Um, and you know, if I were to, let's say, be at my peak, I'm trying to get my peak for a competition and I start cutting weight two months out and I'm trying to prepare, blah, blah, blah. And that's fine. That's one way of thinking about it. But then that's also planned. That's me picking my moment I want to be the best. When that ain't how life works. You don't get to pick that moment. The moment you really need that, that martial arts skill, in my mind, what I think about, Life's going to throw at you at a random moment and it's going to be, you're not going to be ready. You know what I mean? You're going to be caught with one shoe on and, you know what I mean? Like some dust in your eye and, you know, there's, and you're in a horrible situation. You got to act fast. You know what I mean? It's going to, it's, and, and were you practicing like, you know, you know, being in these situations where you practicing, not as far as like, you can't just prepare for every situation, but as far as, uh, you know, when I roll, I also I kind of like to when I do kimors. The reason I like kimors and these arm locks is I don't let you grab your belt in defense. And another reason for that is that's where people usually keep guns and weapons. So I always try to keep your hands away from your hips and your belt as often as I can in the in the in the reality of the roll. But that's a that's a real life effect because if I come into an attacker and we start, you know, we get on the ground or he's got a hidden weapon or whatever it could be, I don't want to be oblivious to that fact in the moment. 
you know, nor do I want to, hey, can you wait? Can you attack me in two months? Let me get myself in a good diet and a good shape and, and then I'll come back and you can attack me then when I'm real more prepared. So that's why I kind of like to advocate, you know, just having a maintaining a good jujitsu lifestyle where, you know, your body, you know, it's, it's, it's a life, it's a long, you know, it's an all year long thing. It's not just, you know, getting ready for a, a competition here and there um, that you're just trying to be at your peak. So keeping all those things in mind um, as far as like, how did I get my black belt, you know, in just under four years, I put myself in a position to do so. I quit my job. I quit school. I moved up to Maryland to live in Lloyd's basement and teach jujitsu and clean the gym. I clean the gym and I think it's a good humbling thing. Most people should go through it, I feel. I clean the gym from white to black belt. Like there's no you nothing know, wrong with that. That's just how you know what I mean you, you show your respect to your academy. And uh I, I liked I kinda like the fact that I as black belt you know, or I would say not too long a black belt really, but all the way up until my black belt, I was still cleaning those mats every after every night and, you know, vacuuming those hallways. Um, but I put myself in that position. And so if you can't put yourself in that position, if you don't have uh, the life, you know, a life that allows you to just, you know, just leave everything and quit everything, then you're not, don't expect results like that. Not that you can't get them, but you can't expect like, I want results like Mike Fowler, but I didn't put myself in Mike Fowler's position. I still stayed at work. I still went and partied and did this. I cut out a lot of stuff. I, I really lived inside the gym for the most part and just eat, breathe, sleep jujitsu all day. And I had a goal in mind that I wanted to, to reach. And I don't think it, like I said, again, I, I mentioned before, it's not a lifelong, I don't think that was a way you could live, but I had a clear goal in mind. And I achieved, you know, a, a you know, it doesn't. In, in my mind, the the amount of time I put into it is the same amount of time people put into their black belt. I just condensed it. I just didn't have those breaks in between, those days off. I didn't have uh, any, you know, any, uh, you know, life stuff. I didn't. You know, there was no kids. There was no, uh, you know, there wasn't any, um, you know, mortgages, anything like that. I was, I was purely like in the moment, just trying, you know, uh, you know, just trying to live that that young jujitsu dream. And so, uh, again, if I could say anything as far as uh, for you, for anyone that would like to uh, make the most of their jujitsu time and evolve it, is just to start to write these things down, the notebook taking, pay attention to your, you know, your outside activities are, you know, are your workouts geared towards jujitsu? If not, what are they geared towards? Are they geared towards something you're actually doing? Or are you just doing what you thought you should be doing because you saw it somewhere? Or a personal trainer told you you should be doing these workouts. Um, you know, I find the biggest difference, you know, I have, you know, power in my legs that most people don't get because that's why my hook guard is the way it is. Because I do these kind of things with it and I, I build it up to have this kind of power. And, uh, and, and it's anyone's capable of doing it. You just, you know, you've got to focus it in different areas and different exercises. So if anyone has uh, any um questions as far as uh you know pertaining to the note taking anything I talked about today, you know, you're more than welcome to to hit me up in um you know on my on my social media uh, either on Facebook at Michael Fowler or Instagram at the Fowler Effect. And uh if you haven't also already followed me on there, uh go ahead and click follow there. And uh I'll do my best to get back to you in a timely manner. Um, if you do have any questions on as far as organizational things on the notebook, but um, 
it that's the biggest thing for me. And uh, like I said, I don't care if you're not a note taker. It's not about being a note taker. It doesn't have to be perfect notes. It doesn't have to be a lifelong, you know, it's not like a nightly homework thing. It's a, it's, it's a connection of your mind, your hand, and that pen and paper. And, um, you know, and just, it'd be cool, you know, you'd look to look back and see you have a catalog of all your jiu-jitsu techniques and, and, you know, and, and these are the ones I'm good at. These are the ones I've, you know, it's, 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 it's I don't know, it gives it a different effect. Um, and for me, it's, it's, it's organizational for the mind. Uh, it's not so scattered. And, you know, if anything, it allows your mind to now do different things. Now it can evolve and think upon positions rather than, uh, you know, like it, it just, it helps, I feel, uh, in, the, in the overall growth. But that's it for this episode. I appreciate you taking the time and uh, look forward to, to being back with a new episode and uh, hopefully I can get a guest on soon. I'm still trying to work on uh, getting those audios. I've done a, done a few sample ones, but tr- just trying to make sure the audio is something that is up to par that uh, worth for you guys to listen to. Cause I don't like the, uh, don't want it to be subpar, you know, content or not, not these content, but audio quality on, on some super great content. But thank you again. My name is Michael Fowler and this was the Fowler effect.